lift your eyes right now on that throne. Doors standing open in heaven. Heard a voice like a trumpet saying, come up here and I will show you things. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven. And one set on the throne and he who sat there was like a jasper, sardius stone in appearance, emerald rainbow.
Good morning, Destiny. Good morning. Good morning. Let's stand up on our feet and give God a worship praise this morning. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Remember whose house you're in this morning. Good morning. All right. Let's let me hear a hallelujah for your Lord and Savior this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We are so grateful to be here on this morning. We welcome you to Destiny Church. We are grateful for our pastors here, Pastor DJ Sennard, Pastor Kevin, and Pastor Crystal. I am Dana Davis, Director of our Children's Ministry, and on behalf of all the Destiny family this morning, we welcome you into your Father's house. Amen? Amen. So I hope you came this morning with expectancy. One thing I love that Pastor DJ mentioned Monday night on prayer night and what Brother Daniel said last week, and I did just that. I did it this morning in practice. Check out this morning. When you check out for God, that means it doesn't matter who's on your left. It doesn't matter who's on your right. It doesn't matter if there's two people in here or 200 people in here. If you came with the right attitude this morning, if you came expecting to receive something, then you will do just that this morning. Amen? Amen. So as we get ready to go into worship on today, think about all the things that God has brought you from. And when you do that, you should have no problems worshiping this morning. Because there is some man, woman, boy, or girl right now that would love to take your place, that would love to have that opportunity to worship. And you have breath. The song that says, I have breath within my body. You've got life inside your bones this morning. We want you to thank God this morning. Let us close our eyes and give God what he deserves. Let me lead you in prayer, and then we're going to get ready to worship. Father God, we come this morning, Lord, thanking you, Father God. We come thanking you for this day. We come thanking you that you are the God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. We thank you for giving us this opportunity, Lord, to come in, Father God. Saturate this building, Father God. Sit on the throne of our hearts this morning, Lord. Let us worship today like we have never worshiped before. Take us to a new level. Take us to higher heights. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hidden. Those that worship you must do it in spirit and in truth this morning. So we come now, right now, Father God, to give you everything you deserve because we thank God. Hallelujah. into the night wanting a place to hide this weary soul this pack of bones and I try with all my might but I just can't win the fight I'm slowly drifting a vagabond Just when I ran out of road, I met a man I didn't know, and he told me that I was not alone. He picked me up and turned me around and placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because he healed my heart. Change my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the master. 
going to call all those things that are dead. We're going to call them to life in the name of Jesus. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. He picked me up and turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank the savior. Because he healed my heart, he changed my name, forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the master, I thank the savior, because he healed my heart, he changed my name, forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the master, I thank the savior, I thank God. Oh, I thank God. All right, we're going to declare that hell lost another one again. And I want you to sing it with all of your heart. You sing it like you mean it because it's true. Hell has lost another one this morning. You are free in the name of Jesus. And we're going to declare that. We're going to declare that right now. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. You sing it.
I got this joy and it won't let go. Looked in his eyes and it freed my soul. I got this joy and it won't let go. My soul knows it. I got this joy and it won't let go. Looked in his eyes and it freed my soul. I got this joy and it won't let go.
as we get ready to sing this next song, I know you can feel the Holy Spirit moving in this place right now. This next song says, you keep on getting better. He keeps getting better in every area of your life. There's not one area where you have let him in that you don't keep getting better. You may not be better in everything yet, but when you let him have his way, when you turn everything over to God, you can't help but to get better. I remind you many times, you cannot come into the presence of God and remain the same. If you will let him have his way with you this morning, you will be better. Not only will you be better, you will feel better, you will look better, and most importantly, you will do better.
beginning of this chorus says, with all my heart. With all my heart, I love you. And it says that he's our first love. But there have been times in my life that I have not allowed him to be my first love. There have been times in my life where I have not loved him with all of my heart. And I know that I'm not alone. We go through seasons where we get our eyes off of our first love. Jesus, bring us back. Forgive us, Jesus, for taking our eyes off of our first love. Because you first loved us. Help us to keep you in that place of first love. Help us, Jesus, to love you with all of our heart. And thank you for your grace when we don't love you. Thank you for not stopping loving us. When we get our eyes off of you, thank you that you don't take your eyes off of us. Abba, you are worthy. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and praise. And you are worthy of every ounce of love in our heart. We fix our eyes on you, first love. our eyes on you first love. You are our great reward. There is no one greater. There is no one greater. There is no one higher. There is no one more worthy to be called first love. To be called perfect love.
that feeling of, of his presence and what he's done. And that's what this is. This is an opportunity and just to celebrate that and to worship him. Just come before him and just remember everything he's done. And that's just to tell you that he's not done. Because he keeps getting better and better and better and better and better and better and better. The more you say yes, the more he does. The more you just commit and submit to him. Oh. But that's what he wanted you to feel this morning. presence is good enough you don't need all the other stuff it's just him and you and it's so good so father we love you and we thank you Lord we love you we love you we love you we love you you're so holy and so worthy come on have your way in this place Lord Saturate us right now with your love. Oh, we love you, Lord. And we thank you. We thank you for everything you've done and everything you're about to do. Come on, have your way in this place. Father, we just love you and we lift you up this morning. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's lift them up one more time. Oh, man, it's so good. Uh, I need to take a moment, so you guys take a moment, say hello to somebody you ain't seen.
Good morning, Destiny Church family. Uh, just so you know, uh, y'all know, I love watching you guys love on each other. I love watching everybody just be family because that's what we are. I love it. And now it's time to get back to your chair. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, um, welcome to Destiny Church. I'm going to give you guys like five-second countdown. Y'all get back to your chairs. You know, if we're back in the day, we'd get the stones. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, welcome to Destiny Church. My name is Pastor Kevin. Uh, I love you guys. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, if you don't know, this is the time in our service where we uh, choose to continue our worship, and we do that with our giving. So we want to invite you this morning, uh, as I get ready to just read a little scripture and pray, I, I, I want to invite you to continue with your worship and to give to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? Amen. And I have just a quick scripture. Hang on one second. <laughs> I don't care about giving. Um, <gasps> How dare you? We got Brother Kenny up here, and in a couple of weeks, he's going to have pretty much open heart surgery, right? What are they doing? Open heart. So what I want to do is call some prayer warriors up here. This is more important than giving, y'all. So we're going to pray over him. Let's pray over him, and let's lift him up. Come on, holy, 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 holy. We love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, move right now. Father, we love you, Lord. Come on, holy. We lift up our brother Kenny to you right now, Father. Father, right now we command his heart back into operation to, to be better than it ever was, Father God. We ask you right now, Lord, to, to touch the doctors and the nurses. Give them wisdom and knowledge as they go in, Father God. Lord, it's going to be better than new right now, Father. We know that. We declare that right now, Father God. We ask you to bring peace and comfort to Brother Kenny and his wife, April, Lord. Father, we ask you to just wrap your arms around them and love them and their family as they go through this moment, Lord. Father, we surrender him to you right now. Have your way. We trust him. You're a healer, Father God. You're Jehovah Rapha, Father. So, so we know you can heal right now. So, Father God, we ask you to heal him. Jesus, touch him right now. Father, we surrender this to you. Have your way. She got that show. Holy Spirit move. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Oh, all right, you can go back to do what you want to do, Kevin. You sure, brother? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> all right, only a destiny. All right, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I love that. Um, Pastor DJ is right. Jesus said, you know, uh, don't forget to do the latter and then the former, you know. So uh, loving, love and grace is important as well as giving. So uh, I just want to read this little, this little scripture that I found. Uh, and last week, me and my wife were doing a little class on giving, and my wife, uh, Crystal, actually brought this to my attention, so I'm stealing it from her. Don't tell her. Um, it was really awesome, and so I want to read it real quick. It's in Mark 12, verse 41. So that's Mark 12, verse 41, and it says this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. And so if you know this story, this is the story of the of the poor lady that gave her two, uh, her two cents, right? And it says that Jesus said that she gave everything she had. Uh, but what was really interesting, uh, my wife Crystal 
brought it to my attention. And she said, you know, it's really interesting is that Jesus was sitting there just watching everybody give. And it wasn't that he was watching the amounts. It's that he was watching the hearts. And I know that my Bible, it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Always. I mean, for eternity. And so we were thinking about that. We were talking about that. And we're like, you know what's so awesome is that Jesus is still doing that every day. Jesus is still watching us give. And he's not, he doesn't care about your zeros, your 50 cents, your dollar, your $100, your $1,000. He cares about your heart. He cares about if you love him, if you're willing to worship him with your giving. With your giving. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up. Uh, last week I also taught on uh, being intentional with your giving. It's so easy especially for, for you guys, because you guys are amazing at giving, it's so easy for us to get used to it. You know what? Oh, we already put it in the envelope. God bless. Amen. God, you already know. I mean, this is what we do. This is a part of us. We already gave. But it's so easy to get into that routine, and it's so hard to, to get back into the, the notion of, no, okay, I'm going to bring this right now to God's feet. Whether you've already given online, whether you already sent a check in, whether you already texted to give, doesn't matter. This is a spiritual thing. God, I'm, we're about to get ready to pray, and we're going to say, God, I present to you my offering. I present to you my first fruits. I present to you my tithes. God, I present this to you in the name of your son Jesus. Okay, and so we're going to give to God right now, and I'm going to ask you to lift your right hand. And we're going to pray whether you have anything in your right hand or not, it doesn't matter. Like I said, whether you've given or not, it doesn't matter. Put your right hand. And right now, I want you to visualize you giving your offering to the King of Kings right now. Okay, go ahead and close your eyes. Father God, we just thank you. Thank you for this offering. God, you've blessed us and you've kept us, God, and you've given us so much, God, more than we can ever give you, God. You've given us, Father, and you love us so much, God. Your word says if you feed all the birds in the air, all the, the sea creatures in the sea, how much more your children that you love, God. So, God, we present you this, Father God, uh, not just this money, God, but this, this thing, God. We, we present you our offering, God, and we say, God, we trust you with our giving, God. We trust you with our giving. God, we worship you with our giving. We love you, and God, this morning, we present to you our offering, God. Just as Abel presented his offering, God, we present our offering to you in the name of Jesus. And now, God, I ask that you would bless those, God. Would you bless every single family represented in this place? Would you bless them? Would you strengthen them? Would you give them financial blessing? But even more importantly, would you give them spiritual blessing, emotional blessing? Would you give them peace, God, that surpasses all understanding, Father, in the name of Jesus. Uh, good health, God, in the name of Jesus, Father. Father, God, we thank you and we worship you today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. All right, I love you guys. The offering buckets will be in the front. God bless you guys. Be right back.
Good morning. How's everybody doing? I thought they were going to let me play the piano. They left it on, and I was like, watch it. I, f- I feel the anointing this morning. <laughs> that would be a miracle in the house. I love it. So good, good to see everybody this morning. Uh, man, if, if you're new, I am DJ along with my wife, Jules. We get the honor to pastor here at Destiny Church. I love you, baby. We love this church. Come on, we love you guys. We love this family. Look, it, it, the church is just like this little location, if it's a building, if you want to call it that. But it's the family we love, so I thank you all for being here. Uh, thank you for being with us. It's just good. Man, I know there's a lot of people out there that are still sick and they can't be here. So come on, let's, let's lift up a shout to them. Come on, we love you guys. We thank you. We wish you could be here. And we're so thankful you're watching online. But man, it is different in person. So you need to get on out here. Uh, as soon as you can, we miss you. So uh, if you're new to the church, do me a favor, fill out a Connect card. There should be a card that you get uh, out in the foyer or the ushers will get you one. If, if you hadn't filled one out in a long time, you want to update your information. But we need to know you're here. We want to reach out to you. We want to pray for you, uh, talk to you about destiny and, and about the family and, and all that stuff. We can't do it if you don't fill it out. So take some time to fill that out. And if you want more information about Destiny Church, go ahead and go to our app. You can download the app. Make sure you get that one downloaded. All the up-to-date information uh, gets pushed through our app. So please download that, and that has all the stuff you need. Uh, on there, would have told you about our next steps um, that happen every single Sunday at 9 o'clock. So uh, today was the in-depth Bible study method with uh, Brother Daniel. So we appreciate you, brother. And we had, we had a good turnout over there today. Um, so that's kind of, oh, is it, did that change? That's the right one? That's not the right one, right? That's what I thought. I'm sorry. We, we changed it up. Next week is actually the three-question Bible study method. So it's like having seven-minute abs and, and three-minute abs. All right? So that's how that works. But, but we got a Bible study uh, again next week, but it's the, the three-question Bible study method uh, with Miss Rhonda. And, man, we're fired up about that. I've heard her teach that before. That's so good. Uh, she's taught that on Tuesday at the table. And, uh, man, what a great teaching. So it's, I know it's back-to-back Bible study, but it's different. Like, there, it depends on what level you want to go and where you want to go and how fast you want to get there. Uh, it depends upon you. So this is great stuff. Please, this is all about discipleship. It's teaching you how to dig in. It's teaching you how to, to draw closer to him. Okay, and some of this stuff isn't stuff that I have time to come up and talk about every Sunday. So as you go through this, and, and we'll have the, the, the list up on the screen. It's on our website. You can go out there and check out every single Sunday at 9 o'clock. We'll have something. I'm excited about our family groups, uh, which are small groups for the sign until we change the sign. But our family groups kicking up uh, once again at the uh, end of the month, actually beginning of the next month. So that's the cool part. If God put it on your heart to host a small group, a family group, then this is what I need you to do. I need you to pray about that, and I need you to get with us. Let us know. Okay, there's a lot. This is a great time that, that we can meet as a family. We can gather outside of the church. We can get together um, and just really seek God with all of our heart. Okay, and it's in different things. So sometimes it's, it's Bible studies, sometimes it's, it's games, sometimes it's shooting guns and eating breakfast and just saying. That's my favorite one. So um, we have plenty of room for everybody. Come on over. I, I look forward to that. Um, but that's starting up, so please get with us. In a couple of weeks we'll have training and then we'll have rally day, and we'll be excited about that. I want to jump right into the uh, XO conference. Come on, this is so important. Who's fired up about this? We got... How many people we got now? How many people we have? Do we know? 50? 
50, so I don't know how many people are showing up already. So um, look, don't miss an opportunity. Today's the last day to sign up. If you did not sign up for the marriage conference, today is the last day. We have to order food. We have to get all the tables. We have so much planning to do this week because it's Friday. Okay, so uh, today's the last day. Don't call me tomorrow and say, but pastor, you're a pastor. I just need some grace. I'm, I'm helping you out. <laughs> Don't make me do that. So please sign up today. If you're watching online, go online, register, let us know. If you can't do it online, call us. Get a hold of somebody. Uh, you can call the church phone, and we'll make sure we get it, and we'll get you on the list so we can get our numbers right. Um, but I am excited about that. It is $60 a couple, so go on and sign up. That covers everything from food to, to door prizes to child care to everything for two days, so it's really good. Um, enough about that. Let me pray, and we're going to get right into the Word. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you. Father, I ask you to just touch my heart this morning. Continue to move in me, Father, and I ask you to touch my lips. Let it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on. Woo. Did you guys have a good week? I know it's hard when you come into church on Sunday, talk about conflict, and then I send you out to the wolves. <laughs> and I'm like, go figure it out. We, we barely hit on a lot of the stuff in conflict. Uh, but here's the thing. I had a great, great week, the end of the week. Um, got to play with some, some man toys and tear down some trees and uh, play with some tractors and some bobcats. And, man, it was a blast. Uh, absolutely love that. And, you know, we, were, we dumped probably about 12 trees at our house so far. And they're really big. And the biggest tree we had was like 34 inches in, in diameter across. And here's the problem with that tree. It was leaning towards my barn. So uh, after we'd done all the other trees, we got really zealous. We thought, man, um, I was out there with Pastor Peter. I'm going to just name him because he, he's a partner in crime. And uh, we were out there. He said, I think we can get it. And I was like, yeah, we sure can. It's, it's, it's leaning that way. But if we wedge it right and cut this thing right and you push on it with that bobcat, it was only about, I don't know, 80 feet. I don't even know how high those things are. It's huge. And uh, I said, we can do that. And um, so it's leaning the wrong way. We did everything we could. We cut it. We wedged it. He's got the bobcat under it. I'm pulling on it with a tractor. It wasn't budging. So at that point, I said, all right, Peter, I've got to save you because you're right underneath it. And I went in and started pulling my four-wheelers out and all my, my lawnmowers out of the barn, and we just put a new roof on the barn. So I said, well, I'm at least going to get my stuff out because it's going on the barn. And I was like, that's just how it's going to be. And, uh, and then right before I, I, I pulled on it, I, I took the weight off it so he can get the bobcat out, and then I did the last thing I was supposed to do. I prayed. I just said, Lord, help me. <laughs> this is going to lead to so much conflict in my life. If this tree drops on my house. But I literally prayed as hard as I could. Uh, and man, I, I had to cut the strap that we were holding it with. And it just fell. And I watched it start going towards the barn. And then and Peter was trying to push it with the bobcat. That thing landed within an inch of my barn. Yeah. It wasn't supposed to. It was supposed to go through my barn. But it landed within an inch. And, and here, here's what I love about that. You know, we, it, it damaged just a little bit. I think I got like maybe 50 to $100 worth of damage on the roof. So I can fix that. Like, like I can fix that. I can deal. I did not want to deal with the whole thing being gone. Um, but but here's, here's what I love about that story. There's a lot of times in our life, even in our marriages, in our relationships, where something's just crooked, something's just growing the wrong way, something's not right, and we do everything we can in our power 
to get rid of it, to get it down, to cause less damage, to go at it. And the last thing we do is call on his name. And that's all you need to do from the very beginning. Like, I could have just said, you know what, Lord, take care of it. We could have just cut that thing and not wasted two hours of sweating, two hours of worrying, two hours of going, how am I going to explain this? We could have gave it to him from the beginning. So it doesn't matter what you're dealing with in relationships in your life, in, in your marriage, no matter what you've been through. Quit trying to fix it on your own. Okay, surrender it to him first. Quit trying to cut it down and wedge it and stress yourself out. It's not worth it. I'm not saying don't try. What I'm saying is you seek him first. Seek him with all of your heart first, right? Turn it over to him and let him do the rest. And man, it is so much. I mean, when that thing hit, I was like, oh, (laughs) the weight was gone. I was like, the tree's down. I said, that's awesome. I said, let's just get it off the barn before my wife comes home. (laughs) That's all I need. So, so real exciting, but, but man, I, I absolutely had a, um, an amazing week because that's what I love to do. Um, I love, I love to get dirty like that. So I'm not saying I'm offering up my skills. I'm just saying that, and I just told you how skillful I am. (laughs) You might not want to ask me to come remove a tree that's leaning over your house, but, um, so we've been in this, uh, Awesome series. Uh, it's not even. It's just like a I don't know a conversation series, I guess. But we've been talking about relationships. It's called connected, um, and connected uh, means you know I'm trying to figure out who are you connected to, um, and where are they on your priority list. But really, it's relationship series. It's about our connections with all kinds of things. And we barely got you know we talked about God. We kind of got into um, dating and what it's like to be single. And then we, we jumped into marriage, and we talked been talking about that and what that's supposed to look like. I always think that's perfect when it comes right into the marriage conference. So I'm trying to get you primed up so that you can get in here and be expecting to, to get something good. But connections are everything uh, in our life, and, and relationships are important. So here's the thing. As we walk into the new year, I already said this. You've got to reevaluate everything going on in your life and get rid of the ones that are no longer there, kind of like that tree. That tree had no value to me anymore. It was a big tree. I didn't need the shade, I didn't need the pine cones, I didn't need anything. And it was leaning on my barn, so it became a risk. So we had to get rid of it. So what relationships are in your life that are no longer providing for you, taking care of you, that are no longer doing what you think is best for you, you might have to cut them down. Because if they're just hanging over your barn, that's dangerous. Because that just takes a big wind, it takes a gust, it takes the wrong, wrong thing, and all of a sudden it's painful, it's hurtful, and it costs. So you got to sever those relationships. Uh, think about new relationships. What are the ones that God wants you to pour into? What are the ones that God really uh, put in front of you? And some of them, they're brand new, so you really need to pour into them. Some of them are old, and you just need to dust them off and, and polish them up and, and go out and just love on some people. But, but that's what this is all about. Um, but when I talk about relationships... And I get into family, this is big because I, I don't want you to get caught up in the fact that you're single and you're like, well, I'm single and this has nothing to do with me. Completely wrong. We talked about single and dating. We talked about the triangle. Everything's spiritual. This will fall into relationships. Uh, it'll fall into any relationships, but it'll fall definitely into marriage and single. So remember that, that if you've got to start spiritual, that's the foundation you work your way up. So very important. But when I flipped it around... Now that we're in the marriage, and you can see this, now you've got to know that you've got the husband, the wife, and God. So, so I'll see how that will all um, 
um, play out for us today as we talk about that a little bit more. Um, single people, this is my, my thing with single people, is a lot of single people that have never been married have a misconception of marriage. Uh, and this is where I'm just going to kind of mention some. So, and this is what they think. And they, they seek marriage because they, know, they, they think they'll no longer be lonely. They'll no longer be wanting. Here's the thing. Married, married people are lonely. They're suspicious. They're wanting. They're insecure. Okay. Once I get them, I won't have to, I won't have to try anymore. It's almost like, you know, once I get them, I don't have to suck in my gut anymore. Right? I can let it out. Got them hooked. It's forever. It's going to be no, they think there's going to be no conflict, no disagreements. They think they're going to have the, the winky emoji every day. There's a lot of misconceptions in, uh, in marriage that single people think. They think marriage is easy. Marriage is work. Marriage is work. They think marriage makes everything better. They think marriage is just a contract and it can be broken. A lot of people will rather do the contract than the covenant. Because contracts are made to be broken. Covenants aren't. I think if it just doesn't work, they just get a divorce and try again. I think a spouse will fix everything. And they think dating stops at marriage. All these are just misconceptions that I hear a lot of people say, man, but I'm sick of dating. You're going to have to date all the time when you're married. Because if you don't, the fire goes out. All right, so don't think that just because you're married, you don't date no more. Actually, you just wrote a big check. You're going to be dating and all kinds of stuff. Okay? You know, the truth is about marriage that marriage is work. Marriage can be great. Marriage can be fun. But it needs to be based on the kingdom and not on the world. We need to put God first in our marriage. We need to deal with conflict when it comes up. Man, we need to fight fair. <laughs> we need to pray for each other, love together cry together and seek God together that's what marriage is so the misconceptions get overridden by the truth marriage is great but you got to seek it the right way so I want you to lean in today as we get into um, why marriage is you know we're, we're going to hit marriage it's going to be good stuff so um, you know last week we talked about conflict and we kind of just touched on it we talked about conflict love languages if you missed all that get in there that's so good because uh, that's important that we do that. And we talked about not sweating the small stuff, not spreading the big stuff. If you didn't see it, you need to go on and watch it. It's really good. Um, and then we talked a little bit about conflict resolution. But here's the thing. We really never made it through conflict. Because as I was preparing this week, God kept showing me all these other things in conflict that I was like, you didn't even talk about this stuff. There's so much stuff you need to talk about when it comes to conflict in marriage. Um, and I can prove it. Let's see. Uh, where's, all, where's all the single men at? Come on, give me a shout. Single men. Woo, we got one. We got one back there. And it's a Purdue boy. That's what I'm talking about. Aaron. All right, where's all the married men at? Not a peep. Not a sound. There you go. All right, just like that, I just created conflict. You're going to have to explain to your wife. Why you didn't make a sound when the pastor called you out, like, where are you at? You should be excited about marriage. You should be excited uh, about what God's doing in your life, okay? So, so you can deal with that at home. That was that. I just wanted to show you. I can create conflict in a second. That's the winky emoji. There you go, Brandon. 
So, <laughs> all right, so let me try a little harder. There's gonna, I want to bring up a verse that's going to bring conflict. All right, so, so I, I want to talk about this first because whenever we discuss this, it can usually bring conflict into a marriage. It's going to be from Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. It's from the NLT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad we got a wow on that one. All right, it'll be on the screen if you need it. It says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as the Lord, as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as for, the, for a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Get excited because I'm telling you, I'm about ready to shift some things. Right. So, 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 so the wife has to submit to the husband, right? But, but what's it say? It says, um, for the husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. Okay, here's the thing. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the leadership of the church. Okay, so the church follows his lead. Okay, so if a wife is supposed to submit to a husband, a husband needs to be the leader of his family. Okay, so this is, this is a call out to all the guys. Because you should be leading your family the same way Christ leads the church. So if you want your wives to submit to you, you might want to start stepping up your game. It's time to get real. It's time to say, what am I not doing that I should be doing? How am I not teaching the way I should be teaching? How am I not leading the way I'm supposed to be leading? So the husband's a leader. And leadership doesn't mean you just tell people what to do. See, that's where that verse gets so messed up is women think, okay, I've got to submit to my husband. He just gets to tell me what to do all the time. That's not leadership. Ask any good leader. Leadership is not telling people what to do. You wouldn't be a leader long if that's all it was. Leadership comes with a responsibility. Okay, it comes with a responsibility. I'm going to give you a couple things about leadership first because this has to draw into the men. If you're single, you need to start working on this so by the time you meet somebody, you're ready to go. Okay, because some of us walked into this. We got married before we even knew Christ. So that's a shift when you start reading this and going, whoa, I didn't know all this was included in the fact that my wife's supposed to submit to me. I like the verse, <laughs> like, baby, go give me some food. Baby, can you change the channel on the TV? Now we're dating ourselves. That was you know, remote. <laughs> right? So, but here's the thing. Great leadership begins with the person. Leadership starts within. Okay? A leader without self, self-discipline is a disaster. So you got to have discipline as a husband, right, to, to seek God, to read the word. It starts with you. You can't be a leader unless you're disciplined internally, okay? So what kind of discipline do you have in your life? You've got to be able to manage yourself first, okay? Leadership is about the, your level of influence, not your level of authority. And you could have all kinds of authority, but, man, people don't follow your vision. They follow the person first. You want your wife to submit to you? Be the person that your wife wants to submit to. That's so important. It's easy to sit around and, and throw stones, but, but, but be the person that people want to follow, and it makes all this easier. Leaders are good listeners. 
That's a big one. When it comes to communication, it's not all about talking. It's about listening. Okay, so as a husband who's supposed to lead your family, you better be a good listener. Because if you want to be the leader, you got to listen. Here's the thing. You don't have to agree with what they say. You just have to listen and seek understanding. I'm not saying that you you just say, well, I'm the leader, but you can have your way. No, but you, you honestly listen. Okay? You honestly listen. You respect them and pay attention to them. And before you lead, you got to learn how to follow. That's huge. This applies to everything in life. But, man, are you following the Lord the way you're supposed to be following the Lord? Are you up praying for your family? Are you up worshiping? Are you reading the word? Are you providing for your family? Learn to follow. He's going to tell you what to do. You've got to say yes, and you need to do it. That qualifies you to walk into the next stage. That, that'll get you. That's part of the spiritual side at the very bottom of this thing. That'll get you to the next level. But you've got to be prepared to walk into this. If you can do this, I'm telling you, this, will be, this, this is going to change your world. And then great leaders empower others. See, this is where you think that, that just because they have to submit to you that, that you can no longer delegate or give them authority. I'm not saying women don't have authority. I'm saying you give them because you're going to be held responsible. There you go. What you do, you're going to be held responsible as a husband for your entire family. By him. You can delegate all kinds of stuff. I'm not saying that, that, that women just submit and say, I have no, no, you give them all kinds of authority, but, but you're held responsible for it. It's just like anything else. You accept responsibility for whatever happens. The key to all this is, is that we need to be so connected to God that he leads us and he gives us the right answers for our wives, men. Because then all this is easy. The wife submitting is easy because they feel loved. They feel honored. They feel respected. They're part of the family. They get to make decisions. They get they, This is not taking somebody and pressing them down to where they're nothing. We're doing this together. The two become one. So go back. It says wives submit just like the church submits to Christ. And then, and then that means the wife must trust your husband and support him as his helper what that means is that if he makes a call that you don't like that's okay you talk about it you discuss it and guess what if the call doesn't change you submit because he's going to be held responsible for that and you back him up i'm not saying there's not compromise there's compromise there's talking that's why we do this we talk and we communicate but after you talk you got to allow him to lead if, if, if you want a leader as a husband, then you need to let him lead. You need to trust him. Okay. Ephesians 5, 25 through 30 says, For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. really feels like I'm not really getting off the husbands here. <laughs> going to keep going at them. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. 
no one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church we are members of his body so as a husband you are to love your wife and care for her and take care of her let's go back to to what that means uh, love let's go all the way back to 1 Corinthians 13 4 through 7 it says love is patient and kind Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of, record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So men, we have to love like that with our wives. Wives, believe it or not, you have to love like that with your husband. Because that's what it takes. When the two become one, all of a sudden, this is a joint process. It means we're going to stay together, which means we both have to love each other, okay? And the two, right, the two together, then you add God into it, and that's the, that's the sealant right there. That's the, I'm sorry. I'll mess that one up. That's not God. This one is. The other one's heaven. But Go back to God. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. All right. But here's the thing. What, what's it say? It says, no one hates their own bodies, but feeds it and takes care of it, right? And here, with all this, what you need to understand is this is what's wrong because we don't do that well. We don't do any of that well, so therefore it leads to conflict. It leads to conflict in our marriages. It leads to conflict in our relationships. And that's what we need to fix. So even when I look at this whole process, it shows the husband, the wife, and God. So, um, so what's this mean if, if you're like, well, I don't have, you know, I'm single. Um, or guess what? I'm married and my husband don't even come to church. Well, the husband, the wife, and God, right? So I don't know if people can see it over there, but if I can move it back, I don't know. So they're distant by themselves. They're on the same plane, but they're distant. But as they seek God together, they draw closer together. And once they unite with God, that's why it's that union. It's the father, you know, and the wife and the husband all together as one. Now, if only one, say the wife, seeks God, she's the same distance from the husband. It doesn't mean stop, though, because this is what I saw this morning. I saw a wife coming up and saying, I'm seeking God. And I'm going to seek him so much that I'm going to come right back down and chase my husband with prayer, with, with reading a word, with surrendering him, because you can't give up on him. You can't give up on him. Marriage is forever. So if you want to make it better, you seek it. You seek God first. Ask God to wreck him. Ask God to start showing up in a mighty way. You pray for him. You give it your all. Same thing works the other way. There's guys here, and if a wife doesn't come, come to church, I'm telling you, I, I did the statistics once, though. It, you don't get a lot of married guys at church without the spouse. Because when a dad says, I'm going to church, the kids listen, and the wife listens, and everybody goes. But when the mom says, I'm going to go to church, dads will sit back if they don't care. That's a fault of ours. That's a man thing. We need to fix that. All right, so, so that's a little bit of conflict through that, um, through love, <laughs> through marriage. Time to take the 
And women, guess what? You, you have to love like that, and then you do have to submit to that, and you have to love your husband back. So this is not all about him. You makes, it makes it sound like it's all about the man, but it's not. It works both ways. There's two other things, though, that lead to conflict in marriage, and I'm going to try to hit them uh, this morning. Probably hit them fast because I think we'll talk about them later. But, uh, and I'm going to apply Ephesians 5 to it, and it's money and communication. Okay, so if the husband's the leader of the home, then that means the husband is also responsible for the money. <laughs> I know it gets so quiet. <laughs> he's responsible. It doesn't mean he has to do it. What it means is that as the leader of the home, he's responsible for it. This, this is huge because this is why money, um, you know, this, this is where it gets bad. So he should be controlling the budget. He should be looking at the bills. He should be looking at their future. But here's the thing. It, don't get this wrong. I'm responsible for it. If my wife is better at that, I delegate that. That's important. I'm going to have to answer for it, but I know who's smarter. Right? So you've got to be smart, men. So when it comes to finances um, in your marriage, yes, you're responsible for it. But you don't have to sink the boat. The two became one. So when you become one, you inherit both of the, both of the capabilities and strengths. That's why marriage is not a one-way thing. You've got to look at what each other does and say, okay, hey, you need to, you, need, you know, Jules ran our finances for 17 years. First 17 years of the marriage. And she forgot to, to pay the trash one quarter. And you know how far it is to take the trash can from the, driveway you know all at the end of the driveway to the garage when I took it down there and then I came home and it wasn't picked up and I had to take it back I was mad I was like you didn't pay the trash and she handed me everything (laughs) I don't even know how many times I forgot to pay the trash (laughs) I can't even count it up it wasn't where I would have rather walked and took the trash can now now I was paying it and walking it to the curb and bringing it back because I forgot it. Be smart. Men are supposed to be smart, right? As we're together, we got to make decisions with our wives to oversee the process. But you got to trust. That's just part of it. But money causes conflict. Why? Because in your marriage, you have spenders and savers. That's usually how it works spenders and savers. And it's in every marriage. Somebody's going to spend, and they have stock in Amazon. The other person is cutting trees down all day and cleaning up the yard. And I'm not talking about us, y'all. Somebody else is out there cutting up trees. (laughs) But spenders and savers. And you got to recognize who's what. And you just have to put in guardrails. It's the same thing. That's why you have budgets. That's why you do those things. So you can manage your finances wisely. You, you can manage finances wisely. You really can. And you need to have unity in your finances. See, this is where it gets a lot of people don't like that. We do marriage counseling all the time. We do this. We walk people through this. When you tell somebody as they're getting married, it's great. You wait. It's going to be perfect. You get a paycheck. You get a paycheck. You come together. It's all in one account. And they're like, uh. I make more than them. Good. That means you have more in the account for everybody. It doesn't mean you get to spend more. 
doesn't work that way. A lot of people think it's that way. Like, I make more than you, so therefore I get to spend more than you. No, 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 no. Marriage works as unity in a budget. Everything comes into one. You get money. Like, we, we, we're big on having a one bank account, but we have multiple bank accounts, but that's so you can divide money up budget-wise and say, hey, I don't know, if the card works, you can use it. <laughs> when an empty box comes in the mail, sorry. <laughs> Must have been nothing in the account. So it's fine. I'm not saying you have to have one account, but you have to have one joint account that everybody, that's where all the money goes. That's where you talk about everything. That's where you budget everything. That's where you divide everything up. Okay. And, and this is huge because there's financial fears in marriage, financial fears. Uh, there's four of them. One is lack of influence. So if you don't have money, some people think there's a lack of influence. Like all of a sudden you, you don't have the capability uh, or capacity to affect change in your life because you're like, man, I just ain't got the money for it. There's lack of security. That's huge. There's some people that, that without money, they feel insecure. Okay, this is why it's a fear, financial fears. This is why it causes conflict in a marriage. Okay, there's lack of respect. Like, I'm not going to be respected because I don't have any money. I grew up with that one. We didn't grow up with anything. So I always thought, hey, the more money I got, the more respect I get. No. Doesn't work that way. But it's a fear. It's a financial fear that if I don't have money, I'll lose, I'll, I'll lose everybody's respect. And then the last one is not realizing your dreams, which means if I don't have money, I can no longer obtain where I'm trying to go. Like, I have dreams and it costs money. So if I don't have money, I can no longer reach my dreams. So those are four reasons why it causes conflict in marriage because all this was brought upon in different areas of your life. You grew up this way. So you were introduced to this. You walked it out. So we all have different fears. So when somebody says, yeah, it's only money, don't worry about it. The other person is shaking because they're like, yeah, but I want to eat and I want to do this. And, and they, fear sets in, anxiety sets in. That leads to conflict. Right? So you've got to take into account everybody, you know, the people in the family, the, the husband and wife. You've got to look at each other. You've got to take care of each other. You've got to talk. See, how do you find this out? Talk. Or come to marriage counseling. Because <laughs> we'll talk about it. Premarital counseling, we, we'll talk about it. But here's the thing, in the end, the couple that works together financially is probably a couple that communicates and trusts and has mutual respect. I've watched this play out wrong, where they just divide it up. I've watched, I've watched my family members go and eat my dad and my mom, and my dad would be like, okay, there's my half of the bill. And I'm like, seriously? And store all the money under the bed. <laughs> He's like, mm, she works just like I work. I'm like, wow, Dad, we got this all wrong. <laughs> I don't know how I made it this far. <laughs> Man. But here's the problem, 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money. It says the love of money. And some people craving money may have wandered from the truth, from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. We love money so much that we can't even turn it over to the one person that we vowed to spend the rest of our lives with. Think about that. You're willing to share everything with them. You're, you're, you're willing to break the miscommunication uh, or misconception of what marriage is when people think that, well, marriage means it's a beautiful night and you wake up beautiful in the morning. No, you don't. doesn't work that way. But you're willing to do that, and you're not willing to trust them with money, with finances.
That's huge. So the key to finances is communication and respect. There needs to be unity in everything. You know why separate accounts are bad? <laughs> I just wanted, I had this little, here's why. When you have separate accounts, you spend some, they spend some, and now you're not sharing about anything. So the first thing comes in your mind, why are you out of money? Where are you spending all your money? Now you're hiding stuff. So now you, there's fear. You, all of a sudden you're suspicious about this. That just leads to conflict. It's not good. So when you have one thing, you know, I, I, shoot, we have multi, she can pull out her phone and look at everything I spend. I can go out there, I can see everything. Starbucks, Amazon, <laughs> Walmart. <laughs> if I stay up here, she can't hit me. As soon as I go down there, just letting you know. As soon as I go down there. She's really good at this, actually. She does not, she does not spend a lot of money. I've been blessed. I made her search in the, I made her search in the cushions long enough when we were younger that we, we know how to manage it now. <laughs> we have nothing. I was eating ketchup sandwiches, y'all, with one piece of bread. Got to save. All right, the second thing that leads to conflict is communication. It's good when you communicate about your finances, but communication and all can lead to conflict. James 1, 19 through 20. says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. That's so important in communication. This is why I talked about it as a leader. A leader, you need to listen. What's the first thing? You must be quick to listen. So when you get home from work and your wife gets home from work and she's all excited to tell you about what's going on, you don't just start telling her how bad everything else is. You got to be quick to listen, let her get everything out, slow to speak, right, and slow to get angry. Man, that, that, that thing there, that'll sell. <laughs> that'll save some lives right there. If you could just apply that to your life. You know, if, if the, say the husband stays home and the wife works. Well, the wife gets home, the husband's going to want to do what? Share, but <laughs> talk. This, this applies to both the husband and the wife. Okay? You need to be quick to listen. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempters, or make tempters flare. Tempers flare. There, it's up there. You can read it for yourself. So here's the thing. When two people can't communicate effectively, it causes tons of conflict. You can't even get, you can't even get started. You can't, you can't even look at each other because when you walk in the house, it just flares up. When you get home, all of a sudden, it's all about everything going on. The kids are going crazy. Everything's going crazy. And you take a moment. The kids, if they made it all day through school without you or wherever they were, they can make it all day with, you know, for another 10 minutes in the house. Hopefully it's prepared. Sit down and, and, and spend time with your wife. Spend time with your husband. But, it, but it's definitely, communication's big. You know, I think about, even, look, and 
Peter and I aren't married, but man, <laughs> I'll tell you, we were dealing with communication all week, trying to cut these trees. He's in this big machine. I'm, I've got a chainsaw going, and I'm like, he's honking at me, and I'm like, what are you talking about? We got to shut the chainsaw down, shut the equipment down, come over so he can tell me something. And I'm like, there's a better way. Like, I'm halfway through a tree, <laughs> and I'm tired of shutting this stuff down. So we figured it out. When we tried hard enough, we came up with our own hand signals. And all of a sudden, we're communicating better than we've ever communicated before, without texting, without calling. You know why? Because we tried. So, you know, sometimes you just got to sit down with your wife and your husband and just try to communicate. It's amazing how much easier it is when you just sit down to communicate and you apply that verse. Now, if you both sit down and, and you're both, you know, quick to listen, <laughs> probably won't go anywhere. Someone's going to have to talk. But ask some questions. And it's funny how the people that are closer with you get you more frustrated in communication. Because I could be at work all day and talk to a million people that irritate me and I don't get frustrated. I go home, my wife say one little thing, and all of a sudden I'm frustrated. Why? Because she's close to me. And we expect the people that are close to us to know us. We expect them to understand us. We expect them to understand how much... We need their love, and they need our love. We expect that. So therefore, when you're close, it hits you the hardest. But just like you're different, just we talked about last week, just like we have different love languages, we were made differently. So we have different personality styles. And I've got to cover this because this is so important when you deal with, with communication. People don't think that the stuff we teach at church <laughs> is, is, is stuff you can use anywhere, but it is. I want to talk about the DISC personality. Jen teaches this one. And just real quick, I want to cover this because we teach it on Sunday, 9 o'clock. You need to understand how God created you. You need to understand your personality. Why? And you need to understand your wives. Why? So that you guys can talk together effectively the right way. So in DISC, the DISC stands for D-I-S and C. It's, it's, the D stands for dominant, I is influential, S is steady, and C is compliant. So when you look at those four things, you're either a D, an I, an S, or a C. And if you're dominant, it means you're direct, straightforward. You're not going to hurt any your feelings. And, and, and you don't really sugarcoat anything. doesn't take that. Right? And you have out, you're very outspoken in communication, which means you like your way to be heard. Right? And the thing is, is if you're speaking to a D-type person that's classified that way, if you're speaking to that person, you can speak directly. You, you're not going to hurt their feelings. You don't, you don't have to fluff it up and make it all sound. Just tell them what to do, and they're going to do it. That's why they get along. The eyes, the influentials, they need, they need to be sugar-coated and inspired. They need, they need to take their time. Uh, when they talk, eyes talk, they like to include all the good, all the bad, weigh all the options. That's the influential people. Okay, these are the people that care about everybody, <laughs> want everybody to be happy. Hmm? Life of the party people. Yes, absolutely. So when you talk to them, guess what? If you're direct with them, you just hurt their feelings. So you got to watch that. Once you figure out what your spouse is, now you know how to talk to them. 
steady. These are the, these are the people, these are good listeners. They're kind of quiet. Man, and they, they just go with the flow. They need communication. They need good communication, right? They're really good with that. They don't like change. So, so, so don't change up your stuff, right? Don't go against your word. Your word's your bond with them. If you tell them you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And if you don't, well, you just cause conflict. All right, so the S's are out there. And then the C's, they're the compliant ones. Very specific with communication and instruction. They need details, reason why. They, they want to know exactly. You know, you just can't tell them to do something. They want to know, okay, like why are we doing that? What are we doing? And, and how is that going to affect us? It needs to be right. You can't give them wrong information. It needs to be right. And that's huge when it comes down. I think about this. I give this example when I used to teach this was if I were to walk in here with a D and I and S and a C and say, guys, we need to, to, to stack the chairs up. A D is going to go through this place just stacking chairs and throwing them everywhere. The I is going to be sitting around telling everybody, um, go over there, I think. You guys need help with it. You're doing a great job. <laughs> Love you guys. Keep it up. Keep it up. Love you. The S is just moving. And every time they set a chair down and somebody else picks it up, they're like, seriously? I'm ready to go home. You told me to move the chairs. And the C's are like, they're still trying to calculate where, where exactly do you want them? How many chairs in each stack? Uh, what room are they going to? When does it have to be done? Um, trying to get all these calculations. This is important because when you communicate in a relationship, this is important. This causes more conflict than anything. Because Jules and I, guess what? She's a CD, I'm a DI. So when I talk to her, I have to be clear, concise, explain. She'll cut me off in the middle of a sentence to correct the way I said a word. And I don't care how I say the words. You've seen me up here. Like, I'm like, can, can you just listen? I'm trying to tell you something. It won't even be that long. It'll be really quick. <laughs> but she'll cut it right off. But I, what I've had to learn to compromise with that, I've had to learn to understand that as I'm talking to my wife, she's probably going to cut me off and correct me. And then I'm going to backtrack and say it correctly so that I get the data boy and then I can keep talking. But I'm good with it. We've been married almost 30 years. I've worked through this. It took me 29 years to learn this. <laughs> but, but it's so good. And the same thing, when she talks with me, you know, I don't care about all the details and stuff. Like, are we going somewhere? And do I have to get something? <laughs> I don't care about all the details of where it is, when it is, how, how long it's going to take us to get there, if it was a sale or not. I, I don't care about any of those things. I just want to know where I have to go and when I have to go there. So that causes conflict because as she's talking, I'm daydreaming. I'm like, you said we got to go. I got the keys. I picked them up when you said, hey, I'm getting my shoes on. She's still talking. I'm not listening. Then she does that wonderful wife thing. You ain't heard anything I said. Yeah, I have. Repeat it. Baby, if you could just interpret tongues. <laughs> I would come at that a whole different way. 
but that that's what it takes though you know in communication it will lead that way we need to communicate the way our spouses receive not the way you like to give it same with love same with love languages you need to understand how they're going to use it uh, how they're wired why they're made that way and here's the other thing when, when you're doing that if you think about this you are actually putting your spouse first same thing with love language so before I talk to my wife, if I do want to go somewhere, I'm already thinking in my head, I've got to have all this detail together because she's going to ask me. So I might as well have it prepared. So I try my best to do that. I'm going to put my wife first, not the way I, I really just want to walk in and just make a command and roll. That's how I'm wired. Just bark an order and walk out. But I know that I put her first and she puts me first and she understands. She's working on me. She's making me better. I love that, baby. Like, you just got some, some sandpaper, and you're just going at me, baby. I'm smoothing out. I'm trying. I'm going to need a planer. <laughs> All right, so, so why do we have conflict then? It's because two people become one. We've talked about this. Mark 10, 7 through 9, it says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So here's the thing. The two become one. That's hard. Two separate people living most of your life on your own. And then you come together to be married. There's going to be conflicts. All those misconceptions that it's easy and all that stuff. Throw it out the door. It's not. It takes work. It takes time. And I'm not trying to scare you from marriage. I'm trying to say be prepared for it. Okay, do as much investment in your in your your marriage as you can so do premarital counseling and if you're in marriage and you're struggling with stuff get marriage counseling okay you got to walk through this you got to invest in it disagreements are guaranteed because we're different came from a different family we're just male and female that's different we think differently we act differently the way we were brought up just don't see eye to eye all the time <laughs> i bring this up all the time when i talk about this I've already dug a hole, baby. I love you. You might as well jump in. So, I mean, the first time we didn't see eye to eye, one of our first big conflicts we've ever had in our marriage was our first Christmas together. I was working all night, 14-hour shifts on airplanes in cold weather up north on Christmas. We lived at her parents' house. And I remember getting all the Christmas presents and putting them under the tree for her. And I came home, I said, baby, I just need to take a nap. Like, I'm tired, I'm cold. And I woke up, and she was like, thank you for all the gifts. And I was like, like you opened them <laughs> without me? Miscommunication. She didn't do, that's how they did it in her family. Get up, open gifts for me. <laughs> so she wasn't going to wait till four is what she said. And it was like eight in the morning, give me a break. Yeah, so see, there you go. I love this. This is a workshop. Let's go. Shifted to workshop. So, so here's the thing. There was conflict because we never talked about it. I just assumed that the way I grew up was the way she grew up and everything was going to be good. And all of a sudden, I was just hurt. You know why? Because I like to give. So I, I get enjoyment out of watching her open a gift. She didn't know that. We never talked about that. I mean, our marriage counseling was like, uh, is that a church? <laughs> we think so. Let's walk in and have somebody talk to us about something. Let's go get married. 
We, we didn't have anything to do with this is how you're going to have to deal with living with each other and all that stuff. So, but we could have talked about all that stuff. We, we could have walked through that, and it wouldn't have been so bad. It's never happened again, though. See, sometimes you got to learn the hard way. So how do you resolve it? You don't allow a disagreement to become an argument. See, disagreement's one thing. Arguments are another. How, how do you stop an argument? A couple things, and then we'll wrap it up. You got to keep things in perspective. You got to understand it from their perspective. So when there's a disagreement, you really need to think about their perspective in the situation and go, where are they coming from? How do they see it? And then work through it. Maybe they were taught that way. Maybe they were raised that way, whatever it is. Second thing is you need to respect your spouse's opinion. If they have a different point of view and a different opinion, that's fine. Everybody has a right to one. You need, you need to hear it. You need to respect it. You need to let your spouse share why they feel that way, what it is. None of that's wrong. That's all good. It all ties right back into Scripture, right? Quick to listen. Listen to why they feel it's different. That's, that's when it, you're going to have disagreements. So when there's a disagreement, just pause, right? Pause for a second, and let's talk this thing out. Let's communicate. And, and you go first. <laughs> like, like, let's figure this thing out. The other thing is, is is you can't jump to conclusions. You know, there's a lot of times that I try to already say what I think my wife's going to say. Like halfway through the conversation, I've already figured out her answer. 75% of the time I'm wrong. <laughs> a lot of times, I'm trying 25%, I know it's a 95, 95. I'm just telling you. That's how it works, though, because it, we'll get so close to somebody, we think they're going to answer a right way. So we just, guess what? We just jump to a conclusion, and we're already mad. Like, baby, I'm going to go get a tractor. <laughs> I was like, I know. Can't have a tractor. Well, no, you can go get the tractor. <laughs> but don't drop a tree into the barn. That was the only stipulation. Don't drop a tree into the barn. But here's the thing. You can't jump to conclusions. Try to sum, Here's how you do it. As they're speaking, try to listen good enough so you can repeat it back to them. And then clarify it. So that's how you don't jump to conclusions. You don't want to misinterpret what people are saying. And you got to be, here's another one, you got to be willing to compromise, willing to understand that, that, that marriage is a compromise, that the same person can't always be right or always be wrong. There's going to be compromise in a marriage. You have to talk, you have to share, you have to give a little. And then the last one is you got to pray about it together. As soon as there's a disagreement, you got to stop and you got to inject God right in the middle of it and say, okay, we got a disagreement. Let's pray about this and let's see if God will soften our hearts and open our eyes to a better way to handle this, to a better answer. <laughs> I, I tell you, that's good stuff. If you really want to work in the children's ministry, one more time, it's a great gig. <laughs> Kids love you. Working on worship back there.
clearing the lungs. <sighs> it's really good stuff. Here's the thing, though. Just like I started with, prayer can't be the last resort. See, when you start in a disagreement, you know you're already disagreeing. Instead of letting it lead to an argument, stop, inject the Lord, and say, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Let, let, let's ask the Lord to move and what's about ready to happen. So this takes a lot. This is why I say communication so hard, and it leads to conflict. We're not wired that way. We're just wired to go at it. <laughs> so we got, we got to come against that, and we've got to do better uh, at being a couple. But here's the thing. This is why it's so important that we have conflict resolution because it's important to God. I don't know if I shared this before, but it ties right up to this. Matthew 5, 23 through 24. It says, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Works both ways. If you're offended, I think it's amazing that in this scripture, that's like saying, okay, um, somebody is offended with you, or you're offended with somebody, and God's saying, I don't even want your offering. He says, leave it at the altar so you're not allowed to take it with you just in case something bad happens. <laughs> leave it at the altar, right? But he says, leave your offering at the altar and go reconcile. <laughs> so your conflict resolution is more important than an offering to the Lord. That's pretty serious when it comes to relationship. That's why you can't walk like that. And that's any relationship. I know we're talking about marriage today, but that's in any relationship. That's with any brother or sister in Christ. So we got to make it better. You can't live in offense. And you, you can't live in offense and expect to be blessed at the same time. So if you're walking in offense or you offended somebody or somebody's offended you and you haven't gone to them yet and you're wondering why it feels like the blessings aren't coming, you might want to take a look in the mirror. But all in all, we have to be the example. As Christians, doing this together... Right? We have to be the example for others because the world has a whole messed up way of thinking about marriage. As Christians, we've got to get this right because we are a shining example to the world. We're supposed to have it right. So we're supposed to work on this harder than everybody else. Philippians 2, 14 through 16 says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Apply that to marriage. This world is so messed up when it comes to marriage. Even in Alabama, they took, you know, pastors out of the wedding. It's just tough stuff. And the further the enemy can get in and get the word out, he wins. So us, as married people, or getting married, I don't care what you are, because when you do get married, you're going to be a shining example to the world. When you walk in, they're going to say, how'd you do that? It's all him. 
You point it right back to him in everything you do. Right back to him. And guess what? If you're divorced, that's fine. When you get remarried, it all goes back to him. And people go, man, you were divorced and you're a Christian? And now look at your life. Yes, because God blessed me. Because I said yes. And we got it right the second time. And that's good. It doesn't disqualify you. Just means the next time you're going to get it right. Because in our society, they treat marriage like a car. They're like, the new car smells gone. Trade it in. We can't do that. Marriage is forever. Marriage is forever. Divorce is not an option. That's the number one thing we teach in our counseling is divorce is not an option. Second marriage, divorce is not an option. Suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) Figure it out. You made a covenant before the Lord, and he can make it better. And if you say yes and you actually work on it, man, it can be powerful. It can be wonderful. He can take what a mess was and turn it into something fantastic. He really can if you just submit that to him. If you say, all right, Lord, we're going to inject you right in the middle of it now. We're going to go all the way back to this. This is so important because there's so many people that live in this world where they go, I've already messed this up. We, we met up here. We didn't meet down here. And now it's all messed up. And I say the same thing. Go back down bottom. Get the foundation. Inject God in your marriage. Guess what? Pray for your spouse every day. Pray for your spouse. Men, you should be praying over your spouse every single day. Lay hands on them. Hug them. Do something. Pray over your spouse. Let them know that you you have covered them every single day before they walk out of the house. That's so important. That's so important that you do that. Read the word together. Worship together. Man, apply it to everything else. Pray for your kids together. Man, prayer is a huge part of this. Man. Biggest thing is just don't give up. Take your hands off it. Submit it to God. Let him do what he can do. So marriage is messy. There's a lot of conflict. We need to respect each other. We need to communicate better. We need to inject God right in the middle of it. And we need to be a shining example for everyone else. Amen? Come on, did you guys get a little something out today? I know. I could talk for days about conflict, so I tried to compress it for y'all. Monica, you going to come up and play something? All right. That was my clue that I was wrapping it up. (laughs) So here's the thing. Let me help you. If you are going through a process right now, even where you're single and dating and looking at a relationship, do me a favor. Get signed up for premarital counseling. That's important. Go through. I don't care who you go through it with. You can go through the church, this church. I don't care where you go, but you need to sit down. You need to talk, and you need you need to figure this out and start a communication process that'll never end. Okay. If you're married and struggling, get counseling. It can't hurt. It can only help. Sit down and talk with somebody. Somebody you trust. If you're dealing with conflict in your marriage right now, man. Need to talk. You need to sit down. You need to have a good conversation. You need to listen. You need to pray over it. You need to ask God to come in and shift everything. 
because he can do it if you let him. He'll, he'll move a tree that's fallen into a barn right beside it if you let him do it. So I don't care how big your marriage tree is and where it's fallen. He'll save it. He'll protect it. He'll protect you. Man, he's already, already been there. He's been there with you the whole time. He's already in there in the valleys. He's walking with you. When you're in the fire, he's with you. You just got to let him have it. You just got to let him have it. And you can make it through anything. So every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to pray with some people. If this is working on your heart today, just raise your hand so I know I'm speaking to somebody. Good, I see it. I see it. It could be anything, man. But it's something we need to apply to our life. It's something we need to talk to our friends about or our neighbors about. So, Father, you see the hands. You see the hearts in this room, Father. You know the marriages that need you more than ever, Lord. Touch them, Father. Come on, Jesus. Heal their marriages. Heal their relationships. Come on, Father. Strengthen them with the ability to, to listen and comfort. Give them the right words right now, Father. Father, we pray you touch every marriage in this, in this room, every relationship in this room, Father. Cover them right now, Father. God, saturate them your love. Guide us and lead us, Lord, in everything we need to do for you. Father, we just surrender it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. We're going to go into a time of worship, but here's the thing. if you This doesn't work if you don't have God already. So that's the first step. You need to start a relationship with him. You need to decide today before you leave out of here that, that you're going to trust him with everything in your life and you're going to walk with him. You're going to believe. That's done in your heart. you got to make that decision in your heart today. Okay, so if, that's, if you're on that edge and you say, you know, I don't know, I know, I think, I've heard about this, today's the day. Make that decision in your heart and in your mind and come up here and talk to a prayer partner because we want to pray for you. Okay? And we're going to do that as we go into worship. It'll be an opportunity if our prayer partners want to come up. I know it gets kind of loud up here, but um, I'm sure we can walk through it. Um, but I do want to go back into a time of, of worship because I think God's the only one that can get us through what we're going through sometimes. All the time. So we're going to surrender it to him today. So, Father, we thank you once again for today. We thank you that we get to worship you, Father. Father, I ask right now you touch the hearts in here. If anybody needs prayer for anything, Lord, I ask that you steer them to the front, steer them to the prayer partners right now so they can pray with them. And, Father, we, we just thank you for our relationships. We thank you for our marriages. Father, just strengthen us and make us more like you in everything we do. Father, we just love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I look forward to seeing everybody next week. Let's worship.
You are worthy.